There's a great book by G.K. Chesterton called Everlasting Man, and in it he kind of talks a little bit about his own conversion. G.K. Chesterton lived in England uh, about 100 years ago. He was an atheist who became a Catholic, and um, part of the reason he did that was by simply looking at history, and uh, he says that there are kind of three points in history, all of which involve a cave that are totally unexplained, unexplainable, except by some revelation, some higher plane of existence than just the material world. Like, in order to be an atheist, he had to believe the only thing that's real is what you can see, the material world. But there are these three points, these three caves that belied that idea, that there's something more. The first cave is the cave of the caveman or cavewoman, you know, where every, you know, the, the kind of idea that we have of the caveman is this brute, like half gorilla carrying around a club, grunting or whatever, like from the Geico, old Geico commercials, that caveman. But for the, the reality of the caveman is the only thing we know about him and her is what they did in the cave, which was paint paintings. Like the, the oldest thing, the oldest record we have of human beings is that they made art. And he says, it's not as if like, there were these animals that made really bad art and then human beings made better art. It's that no creature whatsoever ever made a painting, wrote a poem, said, I love you. And then all of a sudden, here's this animal who does that. And he says the, the human being is so weird too, because unlike all the other animals that kind of are at home in nature, they have fur or feathers. Uh, they, you know, have really good eyesight to protect them from predators human beings are like super vulnerable. He says they're the only animal that can't sleep in its own skin. It has to kill other animals to put their skin on because they're too cold and naked. But at the same time, they stand above nature and look down on it and can see the mysteries or even laugh at the absurdities. Like we're the only animal that is both not at home in nature, but is above nature and is at the top of the food chain or whatever. So just saying that, oh, it took a really long time, evolution, etc doesn't explain away the mystery of why does such an animal exist that could even ask such a question of why do I exist? No other animal does that. Is there not some higher mystery to, to the universe? The second cave is the cave of the nativity. And we think of Jesus being born in the stable. But in, um, in Bethlehem, if you go to the, the Holy Land, the, the people lived in caves, literally, and especially to keep the animals. Um, they use the animals as heat. So... Um, you know, the cows and everything from the, the nativity, uh, part of the hospitality, even though it was, there was no room in the inn or in someone's home, there was in the stable a, a warm place to, to sleep in the cold winter. Um, and there is the baby Jesus, who, like this lightning bolt, this new revelation, um, history was never the same. And we know this because of how it was reported in the Gospels. Like the, the Alleluia verse today, Jesus proclaimed the gospel of the kingdom and cured every disease among the people. One of the most notable things about Jesus for the people at the time was that he did miracles. He cured deaf people. He cured blind people. He made paralyzed people able to walk again. He cured possessed people, people with epilepsy. He just, this healing and this power went forth from him. Totally unexplained. And then the third cave is the cave of the resurrection. That it wasn't just this one localized event in Israel, but as soon as this dead man rises from the dead, this cave becomes a place not of death and burial, but new life and rebirth. 
all of history changes and we go B.C. and A.D., before Christ and Anno Domini, the year of the Lord, that everything has changed now and all of history is relativized to this one event. Okay, so that's the, the progress. And, and Chesterton looked at it and he said, you can't, you can't deny this. Even if you try to say like, oh, man is just a clever animal or Jesus was just a really uh, fancy teacher uh, or the resurrection was some myth that they made up to say that Jesus' teachings lived on or just somehow domesticating all these mysteries and trying to sap the world of wonder. When you really look at it, you really behold the mystery of, of existence and the Christian mystery of revelation, you can't deny its wonderfulness. These, these three caves were three invasions of wonder. And, and, and somehow in modernity, as we've kind of moved into like past the Enlightenment and scientific uh, method and, and advancing of human reason, that was good, and that was even a Christian idea of the university and, and the fact that human reason can penetrate the mysteries of the universe. We, we kind of started to go backwards, didn't we? We started to put the mysteries back in the bottle. Say, like, actually, the world isn't that wonderful. And maybe all there really is is these scientific principles and, and the, the material world that we see around us. And then this disenchantment and this boredom uh, kind of took hold of us again or has taken hold of us. And we have to again be amazed at the mystery of what it means to be human, what it means that God, the creator of all of us, who made us in his image, came and made his abode with us. He, he came and lived here among us, preached the kingdom, cured all the diseases among the people, and then died for our sins and rose to new life. And now we who believe in him and unite ourselves through the sacraments to his body, the church, can live in him. That is a mystery that we, we have to constantly remind ourselves to be amazed at, to be opened to. A lot of times these healing stories in the, in the Gospels, like today, uh, Jesus heals the, the deaf man with the speech impediment. You'll hear homilies or read reflections where it's like, well, it's kind of like we're all deaf, right? It's like, kind of like we all have this speech impediment. We, we need to, you know, open our ears to God and to each other. And we, we, it sort of sounds like this shallow metaphor. Um, and wouldn't it be more amazing if, like, I actually like healed you and you, you were deaf or somebody came up and they were paralyzed and I just said, be healed. And you'd be like, okay, that's amazing. Right? But like, oh yeah, we all kind of need to open the ears of our heart. Sounds kind of not that cool. But actually it's, it's reverse, right? That um, Jesus did literally heal this guy. In fact, he tried to tell them not to tell people at the end of the gospel and they couldn't help it. They were so astonished. You know, the likelihood that all of this was made up and that Jesus just got famous because people like made up stories about him is so unlikely. It's much more probable that something amazing actually happened in Nazareth and Galilee and Judah. And the, the news spread through all the land and then all the way to us 2,000 years later that something crazy happened that day and people saw it and then told other people about it. But even still, the more profound, amazing thing is that Jesus didn't just come to heal literally deaf people. That there was something more profound, not shallowly metaphorical, but deeply symbolic about what was wrong with us, what he came to actually heal. It was not simply physical deafness, but this spiritual malaise, this disenchantment, this being closed off to the mystery of what was really present to us. And so that's how we, we read these stories, why they're significant to us today is because all of us now, 
after the resurrection, have access to this Jesus who, who says these same ephetha, be open, open your ears, open your mind, open your heart to the wonder. There's two things I just want to point out about this story. One is that Jesus takes the man away from the crowd. Right? One, one thing that happens in the disenchanted world, in the, in the closed off world, that if all there is is what we see, or maybe there is like some mystery, but we just don't know it, and your truth is just as good as my truth. There's not this idea that the lightning bolt came in and told us, you know, that Jesus came down from heaven and actually revealed the mystery of who he is and who you are and then activated your gifts and made you into you know, who, you, who you were made to be, a saint. If it's just like, oh, we're just all trying our best, you know, um, the, the, the flatness of that mystery, what, what's safe in that scary world is to just do what everybody else is doing. Kind of go with the crowd. Don't go against the grain. You know, and, and don't we do this too, that uh, like with social media and stuff like that, we, we try to make sure everybody knows I'm fitting in, I'm doing what everybody else is doing, and we, we broadcast our highlights, and, but deep down we know we're kind of alone. And like, if everybody else is doing that good, like, I, I, I don't know that I'm fitting in. I don't know that I'm, I'm safe. But that Jesus comes and takes him away from the crowd, takes courage and trust for him to get out of that comfort zone. And then Jesus has this in, intensely intimate encounter with him where it says, uh, he put his finger into the man's ears and spitting touched his tongue. And then he groaned and said, Ephatha, be opened. Again, who would make up these details? It's so strange. You know, if you were trying to make Jesus seem like a really normal teacher who's like got really good ideas, you wouldn't say, he stuck his fingers in his ears and then spitting touched his tongue and go, uh, Ephatha. <laughs> it's like a very dramatic scene. But then, he is opened. You see in, in Jesus, in this scene, like how badly he wants this person to come away with him, to, to not be distracted, to not remain closed off in your comfort zone, but to come apart with him and encounter this mystery. Encounter who Jesus is and what he's come to do. And then to be opened. That the world has been opened. These three caves were like, you know, dynamite going to the middle of the earth and exploding this closed-off world, this, this um, you know, depressing and sad but also safe world. If it's open, if the world, if my life is open to this mystery, if Jesus is really the Son of God and has authority over my life and to tell me who I am, that's both exciting but it's also scary. Um, it takes courage and trust to go with him away from the crowd, to let him encounter me in this very intense and intimate way. I would just point you to two things we've got going here at Newman, um, kind of chances to come or go away and to come and see. One is the fall retreat, which is this coming weekend. Um, And one is Samuel Group, which is once a month uh, throughout the the school year on Sunday afternoons. Um, Fall retreat is simply a getaway to come away to pray, to be with each other. Um, And the Samuel Group is once a month, a, a discernment group for young adults, college students, and, and uh, later to, to pray together, um, do holy hours, to hear conferences on what it means to discern your vocation, what does God want you to do with your life. Um, you'll have opportunity to, to get a spiritual director. Um, so both of those, if you see the QR code on the back of the pew uh, that goes to our link tree, both of the, the top two things will be fall retreat and Samuel group. Just a couple of opportunities you, you'll have to 
to do this, to allow Jesus, maybe he's inviting you to come away from the crowd, to go against the grain and to encounter him in a new way, um, to be open again to the wonder of who he is.